Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast only on the Oz Network. Welcome to the Oz Network for hour number four of 24 as we're going through season one and then I'm sure two through eight, nine, ten, whatever. They're going to be on to season 23 already by the time we're done this, but we're starting all the way back at the beginning and we're really excited because we're on episode four, which is 3 a.m. to 4 a.m. Oh, the sun has almost risen. Uh, daylight is on the horizon and we get to toggle that classic episode with the lockdown where everybody's asking that question, where's Jack? Because previous week screenwriter Jell Cerno <laughs> pitched, what about whenever Jack's not on the screen? All the other characters ask, where's Jack? And we get this episode. <laughs> so excited to talk about this. Can't you tell? Uh, my name is Colin and a lockdown. Are you serious? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> and my name is Ben, AKA Jack's flunky. And what are you stupid or something? Get off the street. <laughs> what are you an idiot? <laughs> my first notes of the episode are, what are you stupid or something? Are you an idiot? <laughs> the best moment of this whole episode is the overdramaticness of the opening two minutes with the worst people in L- LA was really a <laughs> shithole in 2001, wasn't it? Dying We're, people It's on the just streets. getting worse. Get off the streets. <laughs> I, you know what? Before we even get into everything with the episode here, I just want to say I have this weird, kind of like people getting set on fire. I have this weird humor of people getting screamed at for no reason. Uh, like this. Sick and, bastard. Well, 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 what is it? Uh, um, not Back to the Future, um, whatever Back to the Future parodied with, uh, I'm walking here, I'm walking here, you know? Uh, I love that. And uh, weird reference, Where the Heart Is with Natalie Portman, one of the few Natalie Portman movies and performances I could stand. Uh, there's a part where her boyfriend's in jail and he starts singing a song really peacefully and you just hear somebody in the other cell yell, shit! <laughs> and it's like my favorite part of the whole movie. <laughs> so basically someone's burning to death and somebody's like, get off the street and put yourself out on fire! <laughs> yeah, like somebody burning. Ah, ah, shut up! We're trying to sleep. Keep your voice down. <laughs> so okay, I'm gonna come over to your house. I'm gonna set Jamie on fire. She's gonna be screaming to death. Oh, shut up, Jamie! Colin and I are recording. Shut up! <laughs> You're just gonna piss yourself. What are you, an idiot? <laughs> Get off the street! There's a lot of like attitude from people like 3 a.m. to 4 a.m. is just when people get cranky in Los Angeles. That's my that's what my takeaway from this episode. And, and, and if they're not, they're um, they're getting overly aggressive and arrested for no reason. Yeah, and exactly. They're also <laughs> going to stay up and watch some tube. If I'm not sleeping by 3 a.m., <laughs> I'm not sleeping. Iconic words from the iconic <laughs> character. 
Wow, so much to dissect in this episode and so little notes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's just uh, jump into it here. Um, we have another episode written by one of our co-creators. This time it's not Jell Cerno. It's uh, properly spelled Robert Cochran. Uh, I was really hoping it would have been Robert Cochran or something like that. <laughs> uh, we could have had two typos uh, two weeks in a row from the showrunners. Uh, but... I don't know. What's I'll just throw it to you because I got some opinions on this episode. But what did you feel about three to four a.m.? I mean, it's not the best episode. Let's be honest. I don't know. It's you think? Po- <laughs> I, in my, I mean, right now I'm saying this. It could change in about forty-five minutes to an hour. But um, I mean, I don't think it's bin worthy. I think it's just kind of a lower rental kind of just. You know, it's it's. One thing I think I'm noticing in, in sitting down and re-watching this and actually being really critical of it is there are definitely some elements that don't hold up. Um, like it's kind of... Mm. And like I think you pointed out in like the first or second episode that you... um you know, almost feels like a different show based on what you know. And I mean, I still, I can see that a little bit more now, but I still think it's laying a lot of framework for what we've got. I still think there's a lot of elements of this show that we love. Um, And this was the, after this episode, it was picked up for a full season. So kind of, you know, we talked about in the pilot and you move into the second episode and then, you know, it's kind of, they're still working on what they've got. So the fact that after this episode, they've got a full season to work with now, maybe it's going to be a little bit uh, more coherent, but there's just certain little things that I feel like you really pick up on, like, you know, lockdown. Why is this a lock? What have they done? What has Jack done? Like, I actually it's- legitimately am so confused now. Like, I remember watching this, like, oh, evil Jack, blah, blah, But based on everything that we know in the rest of 24 history, Jack has done nothing. He, he went out on the call of a director of CTU to help him out. He tragically got killed. So he came back to the office and now he's evil because he helped well, an agent? Let's let's before we even get into the full recap, let's talk about this lockdown here because it is relevant to the previous episodes. Now, if Mason is behind this lockdown, he has good reason. Yeah. He was essentially assaulted by a subordinate. Exactly. Um but this is the phone call that Tony made a couple of minutes ago in 24 time, where he calls Jack Bauer needs to be relieved of his duty because he's putting the moves on my girl. Like that's, <laughs> that's what this really comes down to. Mason yeah. doesn't come in and say, Jack assaulted me. <laughs> he comes in and that's, says, Oh, we're getting some bad reports here from Tony. That's the problem. And that's kind of where I think they're going way out of their way to make us hate Tony and believe he's the mole, right? Like, okay, get it. Plot's got a plot. You've got to try and, you know, give us a MacGuffin every now and then. I understand that, but you're right. Like take the Tony phone call out of it, take that away from Tony And then if you've just got George showing up, it does make sense. Like, he's literally been shot by a trank two hours ago. (laughs) The boss is going to come down hard on Jack. That makes sense. But, like, because Tony rings up and he's like, oh, Jack needs to be removed of his command because I can't be dominant on my girlfriend. Um, And then, (laughs) like, Mason's there within, like, ten minutes. Like, like. Where, where, how? What is with LA? There's a massive mistake in this episode when it comes to distances in LA. Um, but yeah, like I, I've never really thought about this too much. And then the, the methods that Mason goes into for lockdown, like where's Jack? You can't work on this. You can't do that. Basically, like berates Nina for you know, <laughs> you're basically his you know puppet and blah 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 blah. And then as soon as they find Jack, okay, lockdown over. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm going to have more problems when we get there too. But just playing along the lines of Mason had good reason to, to, if he wanted an excuse, Jack shot me, whatever. Now the show's logic is, well, Mason was hiding something and he doesn't want everybody to know. Nina even brings that up in this episode. 
But he immediately debunks it and says, you really think that they're going to care about that? So Mason's not worried. He should be going after Jack on his own. Because there's that line, you're right, like he says, and I realize we're like jumping through the plot, but we may as well get this whole plot over and done with. We can cover all the plots at once. But like, what does he say when like Nina brings that up? And then he's like, this should be the least of your concerns with everything that Jack's been up to. He left Mm. to help an agent in trouble (laughs) who tragically got killed. And he's like, this isn't like season two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, or nine, where generally Jack's going against everything, doesn't work for CTU, and he's working on his own. He'll be doing that later this season. So, like, that's not one of these moments where you've got to, okay, you can maybe understand why they're a little bit pissed off at Jack because he's going against protocol. This is like one of the very rare occasions in all of 24 when Jack is legitimately working for 24. He hasn't left. He hasn't been fired. He hasn't been kidnapped by the Chinese or something like that. And he could be compromised. Like this is legitimate Jack Bauer working. And Jack is doing exactly what he has been told or needed to do. Like I just don't understand one. one, Jack has not, besides shooting George Mason in the leg, but he did that for reasons to gain for the better good, as Jack always does. Take away Jack shooting his boss in the leg. Jack has done nothing wrong. Like, nothing they're, wrong. They're trying to say, oh, well, two agents turned up dead after Jack was around them. So, obviously, Jack is causing this. Okay, if that's your argument, tell them that he shot you in the leg. That backs up your point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, like, what do you think? Jack's just a dirty agent because he just, like, and this is the thing where maybe it's like they don't explain it enough because, of course, we know, we hear the throwaway lines about, Jack like turning in dirty agents so like make this more of a thing where like you do have this kind of like group at CTU or division who are against him because you know we see that a lot in cop movies and TV shows that you know you don't rat out on your squad and then you kind of get treated differently like I feel like that is maybe what they're trying to imply here but it just it doesn't work it just it just legitimately comes across as well jack has literally done nothing wrong george has got a grudge tony's jealous because you know Mm. he porked nina before he porked nina (laughs) Um, it's just, it's just odd. Like I really don't like talking down on a show I love. And I feel like out of all the shows that I've covered, this is the first time I've actually started off with a bit of negativity. Like I feel (laughs) the negativity from Nip Tuck, Third Watch and Lost, like it came in like the later episodes when it kind of, you know, gets a bit stale after a while or there are issues. This is episode four and I'm feeling quite (laughs) angry about this. And I love this show. I, I absolutely love this show. Yeah. Uh, let's also throw in there the Xander Berkeley's porking her in real life. So uh, yeah, it, it's you? just a Nina. This is all Z- Z- or this is all Nina's pork fest. That's what this whole season's about at this point. I'm a bit concerned though because like generally whenever you get like actors on screen who are in together in real life, you can you can tell like that they're you yeah. know I feel but like I didn't get anything here. <laughs> like, no, maybe, I know I was waiting for it. Yeah, I just didn't get a thing. So maybe that was deliberate. Maybe they're just so good actors that they can repulse each other. Um, he, but he had more chemistry with Jamie when yeah. she didn't say a word to him than he had with Nina. Did, and I'm yeah. not. I'm not faulting. I mean, maybe they're just that good of actors where they can hide it. Uh, but yeah, you you always look for those things, you know? Yeah. Uh, but um, I do want to quickly talk about Xander Berkeley here because we do get him back. And uh, I, I'm a big Xander Berkeley fan. I was a Xander Berkeley fan before I saw 24. That was one of the things that kind of grabbed me when I saw the premiere. It's like, oh, it's that guy who's in that thing, which funny enough, there is a documentary called It's That Guy Who Is In That Thing, mm-hmm. which is all about actors who 
you think they're big and successful because they're on TV and movies, but they actually struggle and go on EI and unemployment. Uh, <laughs> Xander Berkeley's one of the ones in there. And then uh, Gregory Itzen, who's going to mm. play Logan in a couple seasons, oh, yeah. is also a big part of that documentary. Uh, but uh, Xander Berkeley, I mean, he had been Terminator 2. He was the stepdad. Uh, he was the Air Force One. He was the media uh, um, liaison, I guess, in Apollo 13. Yep. And also another movie that was like on my top 50 list, Gattaca. He played the doctor in Gattaca. So this guy was all over my childhood and then pops up in 24. I mean, I may have been just as big of a fan of, indirectly, just as big of a fan of Xander Berkeley as I was of Kiefer Sutherland going into the season. Yeah, I I remember seeing him straight away. And like, I think I mentioned in one of these episodes, there seems to be a fair few uh, Air Force One actors in this show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And I, that was one of my movies of my childhood that made my top 50 movies of all time from memory as well. And uh, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Air Force One, he's basically like the mole, right? He's the one who kind of gets Gary Oldman and that on the plane to help them uh, hijack it. So, yeah, I, I, I am a Xander Berkeley fan. Is he, I feel like he hasn't done much in a while, though. I don't know if I've seen him pop up in anything recently, but... Um, I mean, according few... to the documentary, he's on unemployment. That's right, why. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are a few people, I think, on this show, though. Like, I think we've gone over that. Like, I don't really see Carlos Bernard in anything. I don't think I've seen Jamie in anything ever since 24. Yeah. Um, Sarah Clark, I think she was, yeah, in that 13 movie. And uh, Randy. Covert Affairs that I mentioned. Yep. Um, uh, Xander yeah. Berkeley was on The Walking Dead for three seasons. Oh, uh, that seems to be the only major thing he was associated with don't recently. I knew he was on it. I think he just walked onto the set. And he just, um, <laughs> is, this the, is this the uh, office for AI? Uh, <laughs> but I mean, great actor. And there's another actor that when we get to, I don't even know how familiar you are with him, became years, years later, a massive deal uh, and got an Academy Award nomination. Is and Keith? Uh, Keith Palmer? It was, yes. <laughs> yes. Vissela Shannon, Academy Award nominee. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's a small role. And you don't even, I don't even think you would recognize him in this episode just because the way it's filmed. But uh, I remember this being a bigger role for him in the season, much like I mentioned with some other characters, you know, looking back now, I'm like, oh, they really weren't doing it that much. But anyways, let's get into the episode here. Opening scene, Janet's still dying on the side of the road. <laughs> <laughs> and car drives by. What are you stupid? Are you an idiot? So I love this. <laughs> Like Get on the street, out. You idiot. This really is a rough part of town. She's literally dying. <laughs> and you've got some person in a car. You know what it is? It's the same person who hit her like three minutes ago. They've circled back to see if she's yeah. okay. And they've gone, oh, wait, people. Get off the street. What are you, stupid or something? See, they won't believe that was us. Keep driving. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um while this is going on, we are going to see her later and there's going to be more issues with this episode. Uh, Nina is finally informed that Walsh is dead. Now, wasn't this all over their bulletins? Yep. Like, <laughs> yep. everywhere in the last episode, but Nina is really bad at her job and doesn't doesn't look at uh, her newsfeed or wherever they get the, the, the death announcements that everybody else has heard about Walsh already. She's the last one to find out. Uh, this episode, I just want to mention, I, I actually do have a quite, I probably have more notes than I did last week, even though there's not a lot that happens here because there's something about the editing in this episode that is so fast paced. It's like 30 second scene, 30 second scene. They're at the point now where I think that they have so much going on and they're, they're figuring out how to juggle it. Uh, because this is all probably within the first two minutes of the episode. Now we got Palmer and, uh, he's basically told about the assassination 
uh, for the first time. And he laughs it off, which I think is great. Mm. You know, he's worried about, oh, this person's going to go, uh, the, Maureen Kingsley is going to break this story that my son murdered somebody. Like, oh yeah, you know, somebody has threatened your life. He goes, huh, is that what all this fuss is about? <laughs> Again, like Palmer, completely different character than we're going to get later on. But uh, anytime we could see him laughing and smiling, it's always a pleasant surprise. Um, there's a... Uh, uh, stuff going on <laughs> i'm trying to make and sense of my notes four of 24 thank you <laughs> buy it okay uh, i'm trying to figure out all my notes here uh the oh jack uh, is talking to nina here uh nina's upset with him uh because she's coming across like a crazy ex-girlfriend now and not his co-worker which she is uh, they smooth things out, and this is uh, just when the lockdown's starting, and Jack is going to figure out a oh, and be, all because there was an empty seat. They're like, "This is, I think, Tony's big discovery." Jack, <sighs> the flight manifests. There was an empty seat. <sighs> Something's going on here, Jack. Tony, like- you're right, and I'm getting very aroused right now. <laughs> he sounds like a really fat man. He's like walking up the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> This is where I could. <laughs> <laughs> this is where the video would actually come in really handy this week. <laughs> but him and his seducing ways. There's an empty seat. That makes no sense. Okay, I get where they're going with this. It's a lead you would investigate. But he's basically saying, "I got it. <laughs> Caught him red-handed. Empty seat on a flight that was sold out, and there were people on standby. Have you ever not been on a flight and maybe there's an empty seat because somebody?" checked in but showed up late like they can't Colin. give away a standby seat well, well they well in all fairness actually that's how you generally like i've been on standby enough times where it's kind of that's what happens like they i've literally been put on a plane just as they're closing the doors because they like they give them to a certain time so it's like okay they still haven't showed up all right boom they're off you're on and then like they've obviously checked in and they've gotten lost somewhere in the terminal and so and like particularly in the States. I don't know if it's a Canadian thing, but I know they just, they always overbook flights. So like I've, mm. I've been on standby, standby like probably 10 times, nine out of 10 times I've gotten on. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I believe this because generally if you do have standby list and there's an empty seat, that is weird because you should be let on. Um, the thing that you, I think you're over, you're underselling or not looking at properly, this is a man who discovered there was a bomb on a 747 that blew up <laughs> only like five seconds after it blew up. This guy's on like, he's, he's a good detective, Tony Almeida. Yeah. It's all cubby. Cubby yeah, is oh, the is. one who's really doing the, the Big heavy Cubby shot here. this episode, by the way. Big oh, yeah. uh, shot of Cubby. I thought it might have been recycled from the previous week, but... Uh... Who cares? <laughs> Cubby looking good. Cubby hasn't oh. aged a day, by the way. I saw Cubby recently in something else, and uh, yeah. Cubby was also on unemployment in that <laughs> he's that guy in that thing documentary. <laughs> I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure, actually, I remember when the Cubs won the World Series in 2016 that uh, Carlos Bernard, like... Because he genuinely is a, a Cubs fan, and he like posted, I think, just an image, like you know, like for all the twenty four fans, like here it is, celebrating the World Series, and it was like Cubby <laughs> just sitting there on his desk or something <laughs> like that. So, ah, uh, yeah, good, good, good in references there by Carlos Bernard. Um, but anyways, that's Tony's theory. Jack uh, finds an address, a mysterious address, which I don't even know if it, how they explain what this address is, uh, but he's gonna go check it out. Uh, Nina says, I'll come with you. No, you stay here. Men work. Uh, and this is just <laughs> as the lockdown is starting. And 
<laughs> Everybody <laughs> mad work. <laughs> mad work. <laughs> Man talk. <laughs> the um, bomb. <laughs> this is just when the lockdown is starting, but th- this this is the worst lockdown ever. Like I would think a lockdown would start with let's lock the doors, but no, it starts with let's cut off the phones and then let's wait about a minute and a half to walk in and lock the doors. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Mason's got his big entourage as he comes in. Uh, and then Jack's as he's trying to leave, there's already a guard at the door. Of course, the doors aren't the doors aren't locked. Yeah, this guy, wow. Um, this is the same guy. That it was it was him who was driving past Janet, who was yep. like, What are you doing? What are you, an idiot? And then he gets here and Jack's like, A lockdown? Are you serious? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> He's like, so like, this is, backtrack a couple of episodes where um, <laughs> Nina basically is telling Tony off before he's basically like, oh, you're going to be tied up when you get home, you little minx. Like, the way she's like, <laughs> this is a military organization. There's a chain of command. So, like, we skipped over that. Is this really a military organization? I don't believe that. Secondly, if this is a military organization, do they train them in the military to be like, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid idiot. <laughs> oh, I know you have one of mine. Ooh, big man. You're Jake Bauer. Ooh. Like, is this, this the first episode... guy to get kicked, kicked ass by Jack Bauer? Like, even what's his face in the first episode? Kim's ex-boyfriend didn't get a whipping. Like, I know a couple of guys got shot in the plaza a couple of episodes, but this is like the first, I feel like, the first guy to ever really be on the end of Jack Bauer. Like, it's, it's <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Like, I'd slap this guy anyway. <laughs> He just works on the guidance system. <laughs> A level two programmer. <laughs> tell uh, me the yeah, code, God. <laughs> tell me. I am invincible. <laughs> Slughead. <laughs> but of course, he goes down because Jack got to be Jack, right? <laughs> Jack got a Jack. Um, Jack got a Jack. Uh, so uh, Agent Pierce is back, oh, and he's beautiful man. Beautiful man. Uh, he's giving the briefing to Palmer about the airline and the threat. This is why you should take it seriously. <laughs> is that what all this fuss is about? <laughs> no, seriously, you're going to die. Orange juice. <laughs> well, and there's a really funny line here where Pierce is like, "We got to tighten up security. We got to be careful of all public appearances and breakfast." And Palmer's like, "No." Breakfast is the most important meal of the day, Pierce. We are not skipping our breakfast. I, he I gets just, like really heated about the breakfast here. But I like the two things I love about this is when Palmer comes in, like basically the top of the hour, you've got other secret agents like, oh, like, dude, like Palmer, uh, Pierce needs to talk to you in a minute. No, he really, in a minute. And this is like yeah. 17 minutes later, right? And then Palmer, uh, I keep saying Palmer, um, Pierce is basically like, sir, there's a threat. <gasps> What's happened? Yes, uh, it's probably coming from overseas. Who is it? We don't know. Oh, <laughs> did you hear about that plane blowing up over the desert? Yes, I did. Is that connected? We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he's telling him all these things. Like they He's just like, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know. <laughs> I heard there was an empty seat on the flight. Do you think that's what the assassin was in? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I also love, like, you talk about the breakfast bit. Like, Pierce is all like, you know... We're going to have to cancel the breakfast. No, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. <laughs> Sir, I'm trying to keep you alive. And then Palmer's like rebuttal is, I'm trying to win an election. And it's like, yeah. ooh, like does that see being alive? No. <laughs> and you don't win an election on an empty stomach, Pierce. 
but you can win in a, an election if you're dead because I'm going to create history, be it black or dead. I'm going to be the first either dead or black president. <laughs> the new campaign slogan for Palmer, dead or black. <laughs> Creating history. Also, on, on posters, can I just say how cheap and tacky the Palmer for president posters look in their hotel suite? I could have made that on MS Paint. Like... <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not voting for this guy if that's what his posters look like. We know that Keith was behind the palm for president. Because he comes Keith, mister. I'm not sleeping by three, I'm not sleeping. Want to watch some tube? Nothing good. I can't even with Keith. Like, seriously, we skip every Keith scene. Oh, we haven't even gotten to Nicole yet. At least she's sleeping. Oh, uh, uh, Keith. Uh. Want to watch some tube? Who calls it tube? Like, I'm listen, sorry. Like, I, listen I, to I, some GD. Like, I understand that, like, they are African-American and they are way cooler than us. Like, right? I get it. Like, they, <laughs> they can, eat breakfast and stuff. Like, pe- people, like, African-Americans can be so much cooler than us because they could, they just walk into a room and they're cool. Like, it's just, yeah. it's just a thing, right? But, like... Even the cool Keith Palmer cannot get away with saying, I'm going to watch some tube. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> no one. Even Will Smith in 2001 isn't saying, I'm going to watch some tube. Like, like you you are being real with the, you know, hey, black people just are cooler than us. Yeah. Like, we, I I've, I think I've had conversations before with people. It's like, oh, yeah, this person's automatically better because they're black. You know, they it's are. just. But, like, they, how, many people, immediate... how many white people try to pull off the black culture thing because they're like, yeah. well, it makes me cool. I'm going to wear the baggy clothes. I'm going to speak like, oh, you know. You know Pierce we... does. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> but, like, it just comes across as, like, terrible because, like, automatically, like, you're white. You're not cool. Like, it's just, it's a thing. But, like, this is just tragic. Like, that's the problem with Keith is like even him not being white, he's not cool. You know, <laughs> if you were white, I could excuse you being cool. But come on, you're better than this, man. <laughs> like you don't have to say cheesy lines. You should just literally be like, hey, dad, I'm going to watch some TV. You're like, fuck, he's cool. Like, no, I'm going <laughs> to. Like, I'm going to watch Tube. <laughs> the Fonz couldn't even. The coolest guy in history could you not know, when, pull when, that off. When Palmer t- turns him down, like Daddy Palmer, that's what he's going to be for now on Daddy Palmer. Daddy Palmer. Ooh, <laughs> when Daddy. Daddy Palmer turns it down, does he turn to Pierce and be like, you want to watch some Tube with me? I will gladly watch some Tube with you, Keith. <laughs> What's on the Tube, Keith? I will protect you with my life. Let us watch. <laughs> Home Shopping Network at 3 a.m. <laughs> well, would you like to buy in- a ShamWow? What was on in 2001 that would have been popular? What's Keith watching on the tube? Um, uh, CSI, uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Um, Survivor? Australian Outback, yes. Um, uh, uh, I don't know, Regis and Kathy Lee? Um, <laughs> what <do> you- <laughs> Was that a thing? Uh, I, I'm looking up uh, top 30 shows of 2001. We're going to pinpoint what Keith actually would watch. It's not tw- 21 is okay. On IMDb, somebody created a list of the top 30 TV shows of 2001. 24 was number one. This is one person's opinion, but still. Sopranos, NYPD Blue, Band of Brothers, The Office. Uh, I'm just going to stop when I get to a show. Crossing Jordan. Maybe oh. Keith watches Crossing Jordan. I'm I'm looking at the highest rated programs of uh, 2001, 2002. 
Uh, so I probably should, I don't know if we need to go to 2000 to 2001, 2000. So Friends, CSI, ER, Everybody Loves Raymond. I think Keith might like a bit of Everybody Loves Raymond. <laughs> uh, Law and Order, Survivor, Monday Night Football, The West Wing, Will and Grace, Leap of Faith. I, I'm telling you now, now, Colin, I found the show. Keith is a massive fan of Becca. He used to sit down. <laughs> he yes. Loved, he loved Becca. Ted like, Danson. Ted Danson. <laughs> Ted Danson with Wolves. He loved him. Um... If it wasn't that, it was judging Amy. Judging Amy, I see that one. Not, not that there's be... anything wrong with judging Amy. I will defend judging Amy. I used to love that show. Um, or Providence, I... another show I used to really like. I think he may be a just shoot me kind of guy. Oh, yeah. That yeah. seems like a Keith show to me. No, well, he's the other way around because he just shoots them, right? Because he's a murderer. <laughs> yes, <so>. that's right. <laughs> just no. throw him out the window is what I would have called about, it. What about the King of Queens? Does he like a bit of Kevin James? Or is Kevin James oh, too white? S- a little too, too blue collar for him. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't just be white, just blue collar. Frasier, he's a Frasier yeah. guy. Yeah, no, intelligent man, Keith. He likes to watch the tube. So uh, he likes to Miles <laughs> and Frasier. Becker. When's uh, the Becker coverage coming to the Oz Network? Becker. <laughs> They're the TV show that hasn't been mentioned in 16 years. <laughs> Becker. I don't know. I'm I'm in a real toss up between whether I want to cover Becker or judging Amy. <laughs> I actually used to watch Becker with my dad. I actually it was okay. Becker like was, was I mean anything with Ted Dance is yeah. good, but like Well, that's a lot of the reason why when I started watching Damages, because like I mean, so many good people in that first season. Ted Danson was the villain in the first season. But um judging Amy, I loved it. I had a weird crush on Amy Brenneman. Oh I, th- wow. I thought you were gonna say Tyne Daly. Oh, who doesn't? That's just obvious. <laughs> that's just common sense, Colin. Like, come on. Don't even joke about that. Uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, I could totally see Keith with Amy Brenneman. That, that, that's his type. Yeah, intelligent, you know, uh, powerful woman, independent yeah. woman, you know, all that. Tyne Daly, what a woman. What are we talking <laughs> about her? Woman. In? She was in a Spider-Man, wasn't she? She was in a Spider-Man movie. Was she? She was in uh, the first, yeah, she was the one who told off Michael Keaton. She was like the government agent who's like to Michael Keaton in um Oh, yeah, the Homecoming, yeah, you're right about that. Wow, mm. good memory. Thank uh, you. Anyways, I always back- remember time daily in things. Come on, <laughs> back to uh, other stuff on the tube in 2001. 24. Uh- <laughs> what a segue. So- good job. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, okay, so Kim is basically trying to persuade Rick and Dan in their shag wagon uh, to go back for Janet, and. Uh, <laughs> She's trying to plead with Rick. Why don't you think for yourself once, Rick? Well, he did last week when he injected Janet with heroin. All right. So uh, maybe don't pick on Rick too much. Uh, but Dan's like, you know what? That's a good idea. I am going to go back for Janet and I'm going to shoot her in the face. <laughs> shoot her in the face. <laughs> shoot her in the face. Uh, that'll shut her up for good. <laughs> uh, that that That's basically Kim almost killed Janet here. Uh, signs of death warrant. And they decide they're going to duct tape Kim because she's too noisy. Uh, this show's getting better here. <laughs> Slight improvement. Now here we get... The only thing I really remember from this episode, every episode we watched so far, the first three, and even as I sort of click forward to see, oh, what's coming up in the next, oh, I remember that one. Okay, I definitely remember that one. Oh, this is the big one, you know. This episode, the only thing I remembered, for whatever reason, is Alan York getting pulled over. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why. Alan York, everyone. Um, I have to say, I actually watched this with a different lens, and I'll I'll let you go through the scene, but like, as much as tragically, terribly funny this is, I actually (laughs) think it's quite intelligent from Alan. 
I just uh, from Alan. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I see where you're going, but that, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Now, I didn't know Alan York was, you know, maybe had something suspicious about him, which maybe. we'll find out soon enough. Uh, but I do remember watching this for the first time. And for whatever reason, this scene tipped me off. Now it could be because the scene goes on for 45 minutes, uh, <laughs> which is going to pose some problems as well. But uh, I, I just, this is the only thing I remember this episode was Alan York getting pulled over and Mouthing off to a police officer. I mean, it, it lasts a long time. I, I, You could have convinced me this dragged on for three episodes and I would have believed it. Uh, but small story. Uh, but there is something about it that, uh, you know, I'll let you talk about that even not knowing how this turned out, I started to get a little suspicious of Richard Berge here. Uh, so, yeah. success? Um, I think, yeah, like at the end of the day, it's it's hard not to go over it without, you know, spoiling it. And I thought that was this episode that I got spoiled, but it might be the next episode that kind of, that's a big reveal, but um, it actually makes so much sense. It was like that, that throwaway line that we had from Nina and Tony about how Nina, you're a good liar. Like, you know, it's like, Oh, okay. That's, that's interesting. Like this bookmark. one here, bookmark, like this one, we're kind of like, it's just as the cop is about to run the license because, you know, like you think about this, this is Alan yeah. York, isn't it? This isn't anybody else. This is, Alan York, uh, just before he goes to actually check the name with the registration, it's like he gets out of the car and like almost forcefully gets himself arrested mm-hmm. so that to avoid that. But having said that, I, I still feel that once he's laying on the ground in cuffs, uh, the cop's still going to run the license at that point. So yeah. maybe it kind of defeats the purpose. But, um, but yeah. maybe not going to do it in front of Terry. I think that's the big thing. Maybe, maybe. Because really, um, he, he hasn't done anything wrong here. No, well, this is the thing, like, and also, like, I love the little thing where you've got Dan and that driving past in the van, right? Like, yeah. just a well, second, like, close call. But, I mean, he hasn't done anything wrong. But, like, I, I love the, I love this cop. Like, this cop <laughs> might be up there with the security guard in this episode. Like, he arrests him, shuts you under arrest. And what, what does he say, like, later on when um, Alan's trying to talk his way out of it? He's like, you're in big trouble. <laughs> you really fucked up here, man. Well, like he fucking didn't. Like, okay, I get it. Like, I'm I'm on the notion you disobey a cop. Like, if they've given you an order three or four times, fair enough. Like, you've disobeyed an order. Like, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, he's acting like he's freaking a, a, a murderer. He's acting like you know he's. And I you know what? Know. He's white. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> that, that's what it is. It's because he's white. He's been treated with, with I'm not, terrible. I'm like, not kidding. Because I, I I gotta imagine. Even somebody as uncool as Keith doing this exact same thing, he's dead by the end of the episode. Yeah, probably. And I mean, like, like, yeah. I mean, this is this is not two thousand and one LA. This is only seven <laughs> years, eight years removed from Rodney King. Like, you know, Rodney King. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, it, it's it is. You know, it does go on for. I always had this picture that like Jack got him out of this situation. I thought like Terry calls Jack. Although that's kind of going to be a weird back and forth thing here, isn't it? Oh, Terry gets yeah. out of the car. Lol. <laughs> Five minutes later, like Terry calls out. Can I just, I just want to backtrack. Like, I just want to, um, while I forget, before I forget, some of the things while we're before at this point, um, the opening bit with Janet, like in the street, what is with the super dramatic music? Like, this is like acting like Janet's a mole or like that <laughs> our beloved Janet is dying. This is like, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> it's so dramatic. Like dun, dun, dun. And, then, and then you've got like Kim, like this this is the first time I've genuinely been annoyed because like there's something that Alicia Cuthbert does with her, like, no, no. <laughs> like 
I'm sorry, Kim, you're being kidnapped. It's traumatic. I understand this is only the beginning of what we're going to do. But, like, I don't know if it's just an Alicia Cuthbert thing or she's trying to do this. Um, no, no, no. <laughs> I, I do also love it when, like, Dan, uh, Rick's tying her up and, like, Dan's just being a dick in the front seat. Like, dude, she's trying to tie you up. <laughs> <laughs> he slaps Kim. Um, our hero, Rick, everyone, we're going to find him super heroic <laughs> later on. Like, this is a thing. Like, this is a guy who literally by the day's end, we're going to be like, yay, team Rick. Um, like he's slapping her down. He's basically just like going along with it. Okay. He might be helpful soon, but does that really excuse like woman bashing and, you know, like injecting you know what's weird, though? girls with heroin? Yeah, and again, maybe our perspectives change. Maybe it's just being more annoyed with Kim, the older I get, you know, that, that obnoxious teenager just gets more on your nerves. But I always remembered just hating Rick and Dan a lot more. I'm kind of, I, I hate to say it, but I kind of like these guys on a rewatch now. <laughs> when you know that like kind of, they're just kind of lackeys, right? They're just kind of doing it, you know? But I mean, yeah. even the last time I rewatched this season, knowing how it all worked out, it's the same, it's a Karate Kid thing, okay? Uh, the Karate Kid, I saw the movie a million times as a kid. The Cobra Kai, those are the villains. You hate them as a kid. You get to be a teenager, you get to be an adult, you look back and like, man, the Cobra Kai, those are the cool ones. Yeah. I like Cobra Kai now. I mean, Rick and Dan to me, you guys are Cobra Kai for life. Billy Zane in Titanic, you know? Yeah. You, you, you fall for the guy. Um, I mean, who wouldn't? It's Billy Zane. Um, <laughs> Ludlow in the Lost World Jurassic Park. Like, this guy's not yeah, all bad. Yeah, very good one. You know, look, yeah. there he is. Um, the one thing that I do, like, I'm with you. Like, and it's kind of like Dan. Like, Dan's just a douche. Dan's one of those guys who is a bit of a douche. He's, just, he's a stoner douche who kind of just wants to get laid and kind of, you know, whatever. Does whatever he does for some money. Like, he's, he's not a decent guy. But there's something kind of like watching this where you're like, okay. But I do like the fact when he's like, it clicks. And he's like, dude, we're going to go shut her up. You know, she might, you know, ideas. <laughs> With a gun in the middle of LA, like okay, this might be a dodgy neighborhood, but like just run her over again, like I yeah, mean, exactly. That's what you have to do like if you're driving by with a gun and like you're driving slowly. What if you hit her and you? What if you hit me in the face? Like what if it's like, you hit her? Dude, what bothers me even more is that. What makes him chicken out is the fact that an ambulance comes. Yeah. The ambulance driver's not going to arrest you. Just shoot her. What, what like... Um, These aren't the cops. Have you ever seen... I'm sure you've seen me, myself, and Irene. And the scene yeah. when they, they come across the dead cow. And they're like, oh, poor thing. We've got to put it out of its misery. And they had to hit... Like, Jim Carrey has to shoot the cow like 30 times and then strangle it before it actually <laughs> dies. <laughs> I'm just imagining this scene with Rick getting out of the car. Bang. Oh, it was for the best. I'm still alive. Oh, my God. Bang, 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 bang. I'm still alive. I'm, I'm hurt very badly. <laughs> it smells like almonds and I think my wounds are slightly gangrenous. You, you know, shot what, what, me. You shot me in the leg. Wouldn't it be great to just redo this? And w when Janet's in surgery and everything in a couple of weeks, it could just be like, I'm feeling a very sharp poking. Is that a scalpel? It kind of hurts. There we go. Will Ferrell should have played Janet. Like it's, yes. It's, 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 <laughs> it's clear as day that Will Ferrell should have played Janet. Simple as oh, that. Oh, and Rachel McAdams could be oh, Dan. Rachel McAdams could be anything. What a woman. Yeah. Was she a thing in 2001? Mean Girls was what, 2004? Or did the notebook Yeah, I think even mean the hot Girls? chick was probably 2002. So she was, she'd done some Canadian indie films in 2001. Canadian indie films. Doesn't oh, count. Not real films. She could have been Kim Bauer. 
Oh, she would have been a great Kim Bauer. But the difference is, like, we want, we're glad Rachel McAdams has gone on to a great career. Alicia Cuthbert, well, she did a Netflix yeah. show with Ashton Kutcher. You know what? She um she she popped up in a a Canadian sitcom. Uh, are you familiar with the singer Jan Arden? Uh, I think I've heard of her. I mean, in Canada, you know her. Let's just consider her. I mean, she's from originally the early mid '90s, let's say. But imagine like Adele with a guitar. <laughs> uh, of course, she's in her fifties now, but like very, very, you know, operatic almost at times. Very soft music. Um, incredible voice. But she's really funny in real life. Like the exact opposite of what you expect from her style of music. She has her own sitcom now, which is like maybe the funniest show on TV. And randomly, Alicia Cuthbert showed up as a neighbor who's trying to sleep hmm. with Jan Arden's sister's husband in the, the TV next show. Door. Wasn't that her? The, she, she was, that's she was that literally her what it is. Yeah. She's playing the middle-aged girl next door in it. And again, probably even funnier than she was in that show, Happy Endings, that I love. I Look, I, I'd be, like, I feel like we're going to spend a large portion of this recap bagging out Kim because, like, that's just a sport when it comes to watching 24, yeah. particularly <laughs> in season two. But I actually legitimately really like Alicia Cuthbert and and not just for the reasons that people are thinking. She's a she's a gorgeous <laughs> woman and, you know, that helps. But I actually Married like, to a hockey icon. Yeah, like, I just love her. Like, I've seen her in interviews. She seems like a genuinely nice person. And I love the, her hockey fandom. She's like, isn't she like the LA Kings, like number one fan or something like that? Mm -hmm. um, and during all the Stanley Cup stuff, like they would always like, you know, see who, who is, which NHL player is she married to? Dion Phaneuf. All right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, I genuinely like her and it kind of does make me happy when I see her in things. It's kind of, I talk a lot about that in, in the third watch recap and all our recaps, like whenever I'd see one of these actors from a show that I love in something, I'd try to like watch it. Right. Like I, I don't hold anything against the actors, even if I hate their characters. So, um, hence why I watched Designated Survivor, you know, and that other show that... Actually, I didn't watch that show. That looks stupid. Um, <laughs> but uh, one thing, actually, can I just... On a real tangent, um, I hope when we get to the end of our 24 coverage in, like, 2029, that um, <laughs> we are going to keep going with the Indian and Japanese versions of yeah. 24. Like, I, I've yeah. seen, like, an episode or two of the Indian one. Because there's a big, like, when we get to season eight, like, we'll get to how the Indian one became a thing because there's a main character in season eight who is India's Jack Bauer. Mm -hmm. uh, and the the Japanese one, I believe, has only just started and I've, I've not seen anything for it. But um, I really do hope that we can cover those. Oh, yeah, I'm up for it. Um, we, I've never watched either of them. I've well, seen some clips of the Indian one. Yeah, the Indian one used to be on uh, SBS in Australia like late at night, so I'd, I'd catch it now and then. But, like, I know when we did Nip Tuck, there's a... Um, Oh, somewhere in the Spanish-speaking world, there's like a Latin version of Nip Tuck that they did, which I just could not find the episodes for. Otherwise, we would have totally covered that. But that makes sense that they would make sort of a, a you know, a telenovela tel tel version of Nip Tuck. It's basically almost as soap opera as it is. So uh, anyway, side tangent, Indian and Japanese 24 coming in 2029 to the Oz Network. You know, this episode's so all over the place. I'm just going to kind of wrap up each story individually here. Um, the cop who needs to verify, and again, I totally get what you're saying about him tying it up. You know, here's the problem with it, though. Trying to verify that they actually did call 911 so that they're being honest. He also going? says to them, well, he says to them at the beginning, it's like, hmm, interesting. Different last names, one married, one not. Can you, does it say on your license that you're married? <laughs> yeah. Like, not everyone, like, this is... Terry could be very forward-thinking. She could be like, you know, woke culture. Like, I'm not taking a man's last name. I, you know, I'm still going to be married. But, like, she could just be forward-thinking. She doesn't want to be Terry They could Gore. be swingers. They could be. They could be brother <laughs> and sister. 
Yeah, exactly. What? Hang on, how does that work? <laughs> different last name. Well, different marriage. Or She's she got, could be yeah. married, brother and sister, and she could like you know she could be a York. That's a maiden name, and then she's now a Bower. Because so let's add on issues with this police officer too. Um, he finally near the end of the episode gets the call. All right, story checks out. They verified you placed the call to nine one one thirty minutes ago. Now this is forty something minutes into this episode and the mm. 911 call was well before the end of the previous episode this guy either sat on this news just to make richard bergie suffer or he's really bad at telling time and and is this a thing like do cops give you a green pass to speed just because you made a 911 yeah. call like like even if you are driving cuz you like if you, she she was terry was giving birth if they pulled her over right now, they would be like, okay, we'll get in my car or we'll call an ambulance. Like, it's I will put my lights and sirens on or I'll give you a thing. Like, this is, like, I don't think this is, like, if I get pulled over for speeding, which, and we've been over this, I've never got a speeding ticket in my life. So let's go with Mallory. Still. Pulled, still. I know, right? Jinx hasn't worked. Um, <laughs> if, if Mallory gets pulled over again, because she's been pulled over tons of times, like, is she going to be like, I just called 911 because Ben's yeah. getting kidnapped. <laughs> oh, off you go. Speed all you like, love. Like, it doesn't work that way. Well, and if it's 45 minutes later too, like, I really hope this police officer is like, I hope she's not dead. <laughs> because speeding's not going to help you now anyways. But, but he's, like, this is the thing about this cop, because even when he, like, uncuffs him, still doesn't excuse you for disobeying a police officer. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's really a stickler for the rules, this cop. Like, oh, you must obey yeah. me. Even more problems here. Probably Terry just happened into lockdown. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Terry just happens to get up to leave the car again. She's now the second person to disobey this police officer and not get shot over it. By the way, yeah. Um, when she leaves the car, it just happens to be when Jack's calling, and then she comes back. Oh, I missed your call. And they basically trade missed calls. <laughs> so I'll get to the second part of the missed call in a second because it is so absurd. Uh, just the the regular stuff all over at CTU. Nina's being questioned by Mason, which we kind of went over already. Uh, he's playing up on their affair that everybody knows about. Uh, saying, you had so much promise. You could have had my job even. He's, but this no. Isn't acting. Xander Berkeley knows that he, she slept with Kiva Sutherland. This is just, you know, they just keep exactly. the cameras rolling. <laughs> How could you? Actually, no. Think it, of the children. It's, it's, that's, that's, it's actually, no, I, I lie. Because let's be honest, if you found out someone was sleeping with Kiva Sutherland, you'd be like, why didn't you ask me to join? <laughs> he turned me down? That's, that's not something I'm mad at. If Mallory's like, Ben, Ben, I, I cheated on you. What? <laughs> it was with Kiva Sutherland. Why wasn't I invited? <laughs> Please tell me you took video. <laughs> Please tell me you've still got his number. Is he coming over soon? <laughs> Can you go out? <laughs> Now, my big problem is this is all built up towards Jamie's interrogation, okay? So Nina gives up nothing. We know it's going to be important later on, too. Jamie is next, and Nina gives her the big pep talk. You can't say anything. Don't say anything about working with me and Jack. Don't say anything about us telling you not to tell Mason anything. Just say nothing. They go in there. We have a long, drawn-out scene of Mason being like, you know what? I know that Jack's up to something and you're going to tell me. By the way, uh, we just found Jack Bauer. All right, you're free to go, Jamie. Like the whole scene is for nothing. It just <laughs> bothers me. Like, why is this entire subplot about getting somebody to talk? And then we'll get to another issue with it later on. So now Jack's side of the story. We've covered everybody in this episode, but Jack. Uh, we will mention Gaines does pick up Kim. He doesn't pick her up, but well, he kind of does. Big mistake You'll be there. back. 
You'll be back to the mall if you're good. And if you're not. <laughs> Great Ooh. scene though. Like I love Gaines there. Just that the way he delivers that, the, you know. You know what's weird about him though? So. Like he is so much more charming, even from Kim's perspective, than Rick and Dan are. And he's like twice her age. Because she just straight, like, he she just almost mods. She's just like, okay. Yeah. Fine. She's like, yes, sir. Yes. And, and she she's completely okay with it. Like, man, this guy's got it going on. Can, can I point out the mistake here just quickly in terms of Los Go. Angeles geography? So the the 747 crashed in the Mojave Desert, right? This was, mm. what, like two hours ago, uh, if that? Uh, and then Mandy was in the desert with the key card, all that kind of stuff, right? So that was last episode. That was at the end of last episode. So this is, what, half an hour later, okay? The Mojave Desert is a four-and-a-half-hour drive from Los Angeles. <laughs> so unless he's, like, I, mean, I guess he's at the airport, could have caught a plane, but I even would imagine that a plane would still probably take an hour maybe in a little plane at that airport, wow. right? So, um, yeah, the geography of Los Angeles also, here does not compute very well. Also, you notice who's not with him, who was with him in the previous episode, right? Mandy. He had to drop Mandy off too. That's got to take another 15, 20 minutes off. She doesn't live in this neighborhood. R- we know uh, Mandy doesn't live in this neighborhood. Yeah, well, <laughs> Mandy doesn't live anywhere. She's a she's a, <laughs> she's a lone cow, cowgirl. Um, Gaines is Britney Spears. Basically. Yes. <laughs> 100 like, meters, 4.97. Just, yep, yeah, f- four hour drive there in 25 <laughs> minutes. Just uh, lo- load him up for Tokyo. Um, Actually, not Tokyo. It would be Athens back then. Load him up for Athens. He's ready to go for Athens 2004. I mean, he's 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 hauling his gold medal from Sydney at this he point. Is. He is. He carries it for a handicap to give others a chance. Yeah. Like, yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so really the only thing to wrap up is Jack spending about an hour and a half inside of an abandoned warehouse or whatever this is. Wow. This is not what I expect, especially coming off of the first couple episodes where we had the good mall shootout. I think it was in episode one. We had the, uh, you know, action stuff in the previous episode. And here we get Jack following a guy. Now here's the famous guy here. Are you familiar with the actor, John Hawks? Uh, no, this guy did look familiar to me. Like he looked like he should be someone. Yeah. Well, and, and it's hard to recognize him, especially because this is the, the episode takes place at night, but he'll be obviously much more noticeable in future episodes. Uh, at this point, I knew him from the perfect storm. He was one of the characters in the perfect storm. Uh, but years after this, he would get an Oscar nomination for a movie called winter's bone, uh, which was with Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence's big breakthrough movie. And he just played like the scariest character. Now, this guy is maybe five foot four, 98 pounds. But I'm telling you, like in both this and another movie um, uh, called Martha Marcy May Marlene, where Martha. he essentially played a, he, <laughs> he played a fictional version. <laughs> <laughs> but he basically played a fictional version of Charles Manson in the second movie. And in Winter's Bone, he was just, uh, just nuts. He was in Lost uh, as well. Sorry, he wasn't lost. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, he is like so intimidating, so crazy uh, and the least likely guy you would expect if you look at him because of his size. Uh, He was in From Dust Till Dawn. I mean, tons of great things. Uh, But this is like, I guess, before he he had had the perfect storm at this point. But, you know, it wasn't like anybody made a big deal about him, even though he had one of the better roles in that movie. Great actor doing a very early role here. Um, But it's just Jack chasing him. And this goes on for, I swear, half the episode. And we get this random police officer who shows up. And wow, are there issues with the fact that she's like, freeze, 
I'm a federal agent. Let me show you my badge. He throws it on the ground, probably 10 feet from her. In the dark, she looks at it 10 feet away and says, CTU? What's that, Jack Bauer? <laughs> like, how does she even see this? And then he's like, oh, it's counterterrorist unit. Well, you know what? I'm in. Tell me what you want me to do. I'm on the case. And she, she just joins in. Why does she believe it? Like, I could be carrying, running around. I'm with the Royal Canadian Squad of Bad Guy <laughs> Prevention. Oh, I'm on board with you, sir. <laughs> She just goes along with it, and she basically gets in the way for the whole... He's like, turn off your radio. And then he gets the call. Now, this is the missed call from Jack. Terry. I'm Jack's reaction. Get down, bro. <laughs> like, who leaves their cell phone on when they're sneaking around? Come on. He's like, uh, apparently like, there's he's a- like me. Like, I do this. Like, I'm the type of person who will, like, scold you for not doing something. Like, like if... You- I'll clean your dish in the sink, Colin. Bad, Colin. <laughs> Five minutes later, I've got a dirty dish in the sink, right? Like, this is Jack Bowie. Like, his phone <laughs> goes off. Turn your radio off. That's unprofessional. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I am not clicking with this storyline at all this week. Uh, and, of course, in the, the shootout, we've also got the helicopter, which at first shoots at Jack. And then the next time they cut back, the spotlight is directly on Jack. He is in the middle of the rooftop where he's in full view and they're no longer firing at him. Did he yell up and say, federal agent, hold up his CTO badge (laughs) from 100 feet up. But did they see his badge from 100 feet up and go, what is CTU? (laughs) Counter-terrorist unit. Okay, we will help you. Just turn (laughs) off your radio. (laughs) I can still hear your radio. <laughs> it's just idiotic. And eventually the cop gets shot because, oh, are we going to miss her? Poor officer, whatever her name is, uh, who apparently had several deleted scenes in this episode where she just talked up Palmer. Oh, Palmer's going to make a great president. Quiet. He can hear us. And then as she's dying, she's like, make sure you save Palmer. <laughs> yeah. These were the, the deleted scenes. Palmer, oh. why did you say that name? <laughs> why did you say make that name? Him president. <laughs> uh, and our big cliffhanger this week, not even the full cliffhanger because we just get the shot of a car driving away. Um, the suspect here, John Hawks, uh, where Jack says, just give me a few minutes with him, which is also a problem because at this point, Mason knows where he is because Mason was said, we found Jack. Okay, so radio to them and say, this man assaulted me and killed two other agents, put him in cuffs. But instead they're like, no, you can question the suspect on your own, Mr. Jack Bauer of the CTU we've never heard of. But John Hawks here says, uh, you, you're, Palmer's not going to live through this. Your wife and child are not going to live. Something along those lines. And Jack tries to attack him. And then they say, get off of him. He's ours now. Dude, dude, I gotta say, this, I remember watching this for the first time, and I remember being like, oh, like, because at this point, like, let's be honest, think about the first time you ever saw this. You know, you didn't know that there was a connection with all of this, and like that they were being kidnapped for these reasons. So I remember you can this gather Kim, you're not gathering Terry. I yeah, would think, but like, I was actually legitimately shocked when I saw this episode. I was like, holy fuck! Like, I need to watch the next episode. Um, can I just quickly point out randomly before I just go over the things? Valacious Shannon. First of all, great name. Like, I actually really love that name. Secondly, he was in D2 The Mighty Ducks. And I actually remember his character in D2 The Mighty Ducks. Remember? Was he the brother? Um, Remember when they are losing, like, Team USA, they, like, they nearly lost to Germany or Italy, and then they get thrashed by 
Uh, the whole sequence when they're like, they've got to find their way because Gordon and Bombay is being a bit arrogant and being a celebrity and they're not, you know, doing as well as they should be. Uh, and they go to find the street hockey kids and you've got the guy who like teaches uh, Kenny Wu how to fight and puts the like jumper over his head. Mm, and, yeah. Yeah, that's the guy. He plays, his character's name is James in uh, you know what, the Mighty Ducks. I remember What's it. even crazier, and this just shows how bad he is in 24. He's literally coming off of the movie The Hurricane. Mm. There was an Academy Award Best Picture, I think, nominated movie where he had the second leading role to Denzel Washington. Great movie, great performance in that. It's just Keith Palmer. Yeah, I reckon we can get Valacious Shannon on the show. I don't think that's going to be let's much of a stretch. It. Let, let, let's do it. I also let's... love your pronunciation of Vicilis as Valacious. Oh, Vicilis. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it, Vicious. Sorry. Um, Let's get him on. Valacious Shannon. That's his new nickname. Valacious. Valacious. He's a very valacious man. Is uh, is Keith Palmer. (laughs) Um, The whole Alan sequence is Alan. Um, One thing, the reason I bring this up is because uh, between watching this episode and last episode that we recorded, uh, because Mallory watched the pilot with me and she wanted to watch the next one. So I rewatched the second episode in the last week as well. Um, we never pointed out in, in learning about Alan York's backstory when he's in the Alan. furniture store, when we're learning about his ex-wife, yeah, she left me and went back to Australia. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, this is why he's such an Alan York type person because his Australian wife left him to go back to Australia. I would go back to Australia if I knew Alan York. I'm like, I mean, not this Richard Berge, uh, but Alan York. So that's like that scene in Airheads where we find out that the SWAT team guy's wife left him for a pool cleaner, so he just yeah. has a grudge against pool cleaners. Yeah. Australia. It's kind of like you with the French. Yeah. <laughs> French. <laughs> uh, Alan York just hates Australians. Uh, <laughs> what do you want to watch tonight, honey? Do you want to watch uh, Crocodile Dundee? Oh, stupid movie. Are they Aust- Australians? Australians. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I, I completely forgot that this whole like warehouse chase down is on. Cause like, I remember last week saying like, Oh, I think this is the the big plot twist at the end of this episode. And it wasn't, that must be next week's episode. Um, uh, and like, I legitimately forgot this was a thing and I've seen this season how many times the thing I love about Jack when he shows up, right from this key card, this is all we've gotten is an address and like Jack's like pressuring Tony, like, is it connected to Palmer? Has he visited there? And always, it's Jamie, not, uh, Tony's like, did Palmer visit there and his family's friends. Like, I need you to find out for me. He's like, oh, it's going to take me hours. Like, don't have hours. Like the, <laughs> the whole cliche thing in 24 is always like, I don't have time. We're running out of time. We've, you know, they've always got to mention time in this show. I but, only have um, 21 hours and 17 minutes left. Exactly. And, but I love it when his little post-it note, when he pulls up outside this address, he looks at the address and he's written underneath it, Palmer? Question mark. <laughs> like little Jack going got to remind himself, like God, imagine if he pulls up and he sees this address. Why am I at this address? Damn it. What am I doing here? I didn't write underneath the question mark and why I'm there. Speaking of damn it, first episode, we get a Jack Bauer damn it, by the way. Uh, we get a we get a damn it in this episode. Don't and still no that. episodes with a taquito. No more taquitos. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, this, I mean, like the thing that I think takes away from the tension of this, and it, it might sound a bit contradictory because in a way, when we had the Walsh episode a couple of episodes ago, we maybe didn't know the stakes, but but we kind of did, I felt, because like Walsh met What's-His-Face, gave him the card, that guy died, and clearly Walsh, I think, does explain that, oh, you know, these guys are after us because, you know, we've got agents inside the agency. So you feel there's something at stake there and why they're doing it. Here, all we know is there's an address that could be related to Palmer, and Jack shows up and 
a guy runs away, like straight away, he walks in this building. He's like, don't move. And this guy runs. And then within five seconds later, when this cop, our hero shows up, he like, what does he say? Like, oh, you know, this guy is someone we need to get. Don't shoot him. You know, you're, you're a cop. You have to play by the rules. We're going to have to break some with this guy. Oh, yeah. He's, he says, uh, you know, oh, I wish you hadn't called for backup. Why? Because cops play by the rules and I don't. <laughs> but he's like, he's like, with this guy, I'm going to have to break some. You don't know this guy. You know yeah, this exactly. address as he could question mark. And this is some dilapidated building. Like he could have just been giving somebody a blowjob in the alley like last week. And now he's a terrorist suspect. I'm so proud of you, Colin, that you've uttered the word blowjob <laughs> twice in the last year. You're growing as a man. I'm really proud of you. Um, but By yeah, next I, week, I'll know what it is. You will. <laughs> Jamie, get down here. Um, but yeah, and it's just strange. And then we've got weird um, janitor guy who... Um, is a cop a bit racist that automatically assumes that this janitor must be, like, Spanish? Because, like, like straight away, she, like, speaks to him in Spanish. And is that just a thing that, oh, it's a janitor, must be Spanish, must be Latino? I think, I think he said it to her first. He said something in Spanish. Because when she spoke it, I'm like, why is she saying that? And I'm pretty sure I recalled, I didn't go back to see, but I'm pretty sure I recalled an earlier scene where, or an earlier moment where he had said something to her. I also do love the fact that this is the guy that basically gets her killed. And when she's like, I told you to stay down. No, not our beloved cop. Don't die. Um, the word asshole apparently is spoken in this episode at some point. Uh, the guy holding her at gunpoint says to Jack, speak English asshole. I don't know if I picked up on that. <laughs> we're, in, we're in America. Speak <laughs> asshole. Um, but yeah, I just like, uh, this is meant to be a tense dramatic scene and kind of, you know, let's get some action involved. But I just don't feel the stakes are as high and we kind of, cause we don't know who he's chasing and yet, you know, we've got this action sequence and I'm sorry, random cop that you're dead. It's sad, but <laughs> I don't know who you are and we never know who you are. So, um, this is like Baylor a couple weeks ago. Yeah. No, Baylor. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Scott, Scott Baylor. That's who it was. Yeah. That's the he guy. got more mentions in this episode than he had screen time in the I episode know. he died. It was like, I think like at least with Janet, like I can legitimately feel for this poor woman who's getting tortured every single episode. <laughs> Whereas no, not random copy just happened to be at the right. And why is she by herself? Like, isn't like she's in the, the mean streets of this part of LA, which is only half an hour from the Mojave Desert. There's probably like coyotes, and I mean, seven four sevens are getting blown up over. This is dangerous part of the world, and she's by herself. Her, her partner's off watching Judging Amy on the tube. Yeah, with the on the tube, getting a taquito. <laughs> like, just, but I do, I do like it at the end though as well. Like something that just works super fast. This cop has been shot and she's basically been pronounced dead within five minutes. And then half of the LAPD are there. Like, you know what happens when a cop gets shot. We're not going to let you there. Damn it, Bauer. You know, like, give me a badge. Give me a gun. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to get a few of that in 24. But um, (laughs) but like, seriously, even the LAPD are just going to let random blonde locked guy who works for an agency we've never heard of talk to him. Like, you've got five minutes with him, Bauer. Don't leave a mark on him. <laughs> and then he gives him about 15 seconds. All right, time's up. Time's up. He's like, He's like my, name, my name is Jack Bauer. I work for the counter. Time's up. <laughs> but I do, I do, one thing I will give praise though is angry, uh, bad temper Bauer. You got to love her. Why did you say my wife's name? What did you know about my wife's name? Why did you say that name? Uh, and then I love, I love it Jim. almost is that too because he even says, Bauer, why did you say that name? Why, why did you say that name? <laughs> 
<laughs> but I save power. Um, but I like I I really respect Kiefer Sutherland's acting here. The way he kind of just like shakes it off and like kind of says, "All right, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine." And then he walks <laughs> up and he runs to his car and drives off. Again, what is Mason being doing? Lockdown over. We found Bauer. Is he not on the call to like the LAPD? You got him. <laughs> Don't let him leave your site. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he ended the lockdown for this. And, but I mean, I guess at the end of the day, if one of the esteemed division guards can't stop Jack Bauer, then clearly the LAPD won't have a chance. Um, <laughs> I'm curious what you're going to do with this episode. You said you're not binning it. Uh, nothing you else to cover, clearly. I guess. <laughs> I'm binning this. Like, this is a binnable episode. Um, it is fun to laugh at and make fun of, but this is the type of nonsense you expect from season six, not season one, episode four, written by one of the co-creators. Like this episode is absurd. I look, I don't, I don't, I just feel it's not been worthy in the fact that, as I said, like there's legitimately a twist at the end that intrigued me. And I was like, holy crap, like, oh, this is, this is new. Um, I loved like Gaines. I just randomly just love that scene when he's kind of just smacks it down to Kim with his whole, like, you know, oh, be good. You'll be in the mall in a day yeah, or two. Yeah, good girl or a bad girl. Like, oh, I want, I want him to tie me up. Um, <laughs> and like, but even actually the one scene we didn't mention at all, which I actually really, really like was the, was Palmer telling Sherry about Keith. Like I actually really liked that scene mm. as well. I, I actually did like Aaron meeting Palmer for the first time. That's kind of iconic. Like we've got to, you know, yeah. connect those dots there. Like, there's enough in this that I can, like, overlook. Well, not even overlook, but that I, I feel like I, this is a this is going to be the bottom of my rankings as of right now, of course, and it will Good. be a low rent. But I just, like, I'm thinking forward to some Binworthy episodes, and this isn't this isn't up there with those. Like, they're going to make me more angry. So, um, yeah, that to me is why I'm not binning it. I'm low renting it. Okay, but I it mean, is a I pretty com- weird episode. We, I think we both commented last week on how... TV shows have filler, especially when you got 24 yeah. episodes. You even mentioned it. At this point, they thought they had 13 episodes still. There's no reason for there to be filler uh, <laughs> this early in the season. And, and here's yeah. the problem. What, what actually needs to be in this episode? This episode could be five minutes long. Uh, Mason's lockdown, nothing comes of it because the lockdown's lifted without them getting Jack. So therefore, lockdown was meaningless. In both levels. (laughs) Yeah. Nina and Jamie being interrogated literally doesn't need to be there. Nina has a conversation with Mason. Jamie doesn't even have that after all the buildup. Another thing completely wasted. What is it with Terry and Alan York getting pulled over? Nothing comes of it. The the shootout in the, the thing here. We get one suspect that drops one thing and we had to wait half the episode to get it. It's just everything in this episode is done away with by the end of the episode. And I, I don't, I do not disagree with you. I, I completely agree with you on everything you're saying. But I think also too that I, I also am trying to look at this as this is a brand new show, watching it for the first time. Like if you're watching for the first for the first time, I still think you're intrigued enough and you're not bored and you want to keep watching. Um, and I think kind of it's important that like it's kind of like how like with the pilot, we we, we both bought that because it was a pilot, right? Like we wouldn't have yeah. bought that if that wasn't a pilot. This is where also like I feel like maybe I'm going to not necessarily bin a lot of these ones this early on because, again, it's still finding its feet. Um, and, yeah, okay, re-watching it at the same time where it's like you've got this great vision of a show and all of a sudden you're like, okay, maybe this doesn't hold up as well as you think. And also, too, I like to look at it in the, the landscape that was 2001 and kind of like your cop show sort of style show. Like this is almost a very networky show and I, I kind of almost felt – 
I have this like vision in my head that 24, like ahead of its time, it's more of like a cable show with its feel and vibe. And it is to a large portion, but there is definitely mm-hmm. still a lot of that network kind of cliche show feel to it, which is somehow endearing, but it's also kind of annoying because I think we're all, we're all snooty for network TV <laughs> now. Like, you know, Mal- Mallory watched an episode of Numbers. Did I talk to you about this recently? We were at a day. No, but I love it. Numbers. Oh, gee, I like that whole hour of that. Like, holy crap, how was this a thing? Like, this is so, like, networky <laughs> cliche. I love that show. And then we, we started watching The Good Doctor with a dad, and that's an odd show. I find <laughs> that show offensive, and I'm not even, like, I, I'm not disabled, but I feel like that's offensive to people with autism. I don't know. Like, it just it feels weird to me that... The way they things they keep he, saying about the doctor guy, like I'm like, can they do that? Like, what's going I, on? I here? think I need to revisit that show because I saw it like when it first debuted. I'm like, oh, this is a pretty good show. Might have a different opinion of it now. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I'd like to get your perspective on that. So, yeah, uh, we'll we'll cover it once we're done. Season eight of Indian Twenty Four and <laughs> season three of Japanese Twenty Four. We'll put it on the list. I feel Japanese, uh, Japanese Twenty Four would be an interesting one to watch because, like, <laughs> Japanese are like, like Canadians. Like, they're such nice people, right? Like, <laughs> they're Canadian. Basically, the same thing. <laughs> but, but like, like, I couldn't imagine a Canadian Twenty Four because it'd be like, "Damn it, we're running out of time. Fucking die!" <laughs> sorry, please. Oh, sorry, sorry. Like, just don't mean to yell. <laughs> like, I feel that like Japanese Twenty Four would be like that because Japanese people are so polite. Like, I just don't see a Japanese angry 24, but <laughs> I could be wrong. Uh, I am excited, though, because not only are we done with this episode, but uh, I know that there's some exciting stuff coming up. Uh, we're going to get more into Gain's character. We're going to get more into Alan York's character. I know yes. that that's not far down the road. And the big moment that I mentioned last week that's coming up, I did look ahead, and we're within about two, three weeks of the moment where it's like, okay, I am in for the entire season. Cause at this point I was still watching every week, but it wasn't like, Oh, this, I was definitely more into alias and more into Smallville, you know, which both debuted the same year as this. And then 24 took a turn in a couple weeks with a big episode that's coming. And yeah, I, I'm just actually flicking through next week's episode and I, and I'm wrong again, the, the big plot twist that I keep, and you know what I'm talking about, isn't next week either. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's still a couple of weeks away, but um, no, we get some great gain stuff next week. Um, and kind of the, the, I guess the twist there is, um, you know, still a, it's a big reveal. And is this is also is this where we get um Jack being controlled for the first time in a while? I think as well, or the first time ever. It's either next week or the one after that. But it's probably introduced at the end of the the next week's episode. Actually, no, it is because like um because Jack's in the hospital. Th- there is a. No, okay. I'm I'm flicking through it now, and it's all coming back to me. It's all coming Janet back is to me. going to be in surgery. That's that's all you need to know. It's twenty four. What else can they? Uh, <laughs> what else could they possibly do to this woman at this point? Oh, uh, we will Janet. find out when she goes poor in for surgery. Janet. Just kill kill her already. <laughs> this is like four episodes. She's being tortured. Like hey, you know, what? I kind of the... like. I mentioned oh. this last week. I kind of like Janice's character a so lot more I. now, just because I see that the masochistic appeal. Of Who is Janet? I wish we could get her on the show. Like, like oh, she's... we have to. Has she done things? Jackie, Jackie Maxwell. Maxwell. Who who is she? Um, Best she known was for the in Dukes of Hazard, Dukes Janet of Hazzard. York, and Gilmore Girls. She's from <laughs> Australia. Oh, we went over this. I think she hasn't acted since 2005. <laughs> oh, let's get her. Come on. Clearly, clearly 24 had a bad thing. She's actually not been in many things. She was in Gilmore Girls, 24, um, Charmed, The Dukes of Hazard, CSI, and a bunch of other like short films that I've never heard of. So, 
Oh, okay. We, we've already put Vissel Shannon and Jackie Maxwell on our list of dreams. Other shows try to get Kiva Sutherland. Other shows try to get Dennis Haysbert. We try to get the big ones. Uh, oh, Jackie Maxwell. Uh, you think we could get the actress that played the cop in this episode? What has she think, been up to? Don't think she'd be doing much else. Uh, unless she's like uh, gone on to this big thing and we don't know. Uh, she, she's she's busier than the other two that we mentioned. <laughs> I can say that much. Good for her. Uh, anyways, stay tuned for all of our great interviews that we're going to have coming. I'm sure we're going to have a couple throughout this season. Um, my name is Valacious. <laughs> and I'm watching the tube. And my name is Ben. And I get bad podcast episodes every day with my orange juice. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening and we'll speak to you next time. Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made.